Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, Chelsea's COVID crisis continues, goalless in the mist at Molyneux, and we look ahead to the League Cup quarterfinal, which may or may not happen this week. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad free on The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. go again then. The final double dose of Cobham of 2021 features me, Matt Davis-Adams, joined by two of my Chelsea chums, freshly thawed out from a chilly afternoon at Molyneux, it's Dominic Fifield. Good morning, Matt. How are you? All right, thank you. Uh, alongside Dom, the Chelsea Academy graduate who's top of the class when it comes to punditry, it's Sam Parkin. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Sam. Uh, later, we'll look ahead to the League Cup quarterfinal at Brentford. Listener, feel free to guffaw your way through that section if the game has been postponed by the time you hear this. First, though, producer Lucy, get ready with the bleep button because I'm about to say the C word. So, as we know, COVID-19 has been running wild through the Chelsea squad in the same way it has across Britain. In addition to the four positive tests before the Everton game, a further three players returned positive tests over the weekend. Chelsea asked the Premier League to postpone the Wolves game, a request which was turned down, much to the annoyance of Thomas Tuchel. We were made to, to be in the bus, travel in the bus for three hours together. We are like uh, in meetings together, in, in dinners, in lunch. Um, and the uh, situation does not feel like it will stop if we keep on doing this. So we applied for, for not playing and give us some time to, to put the situation under control. was rejected. It uh, does not matter if we can understand it, because we cannot. It's very hard to understand for us. Uh, you know, we are very concerned about the health of the players. We, le- we left Kai out against Everton. Also, he was negative. Uh, we sent Shorginho uh, home, although he has also a negative test. We send him home to protect the health of the players. And now we end up with players who play just coming from COVID, being on the bench, being on the pitch after injuries. So, OK, we take this risk now. Uh, Dom, you were covering this for The Athletic. You can understand Tuchel's anger at this situation. Yeah, I can. I think it's I think it's slightly more complicated by the the fact that the health and and, and safety that he's talking about um, doesn't just relate to COVID nineteen cases. Obviously, there are implications on the squad to have so many players ruled out with COVID nineteen, and I think at the moment we've had six definite positives, and I'm pretty sure Jorginho G- is a sort of. I don't know. It's, it's, it's they're unsure. He's, he's turned returned both positive and negative tests by the sound thing. So they've taken him out as a precaution, as they did Kai Havertz ahead of the Everton game, which you'd argue is actually very responsible behaviour by the club. But obviously, when you've got a load of players that that are coming back from long term injuries, and suddenly you're having to rely on them, 
I think that's what he's he's talking about. He he, he cited N'Golo Kante having played had one training session ahead of the Wolves game, and Matteo Kovacic one training session after a a, a lengthy hamstring injury, and then COVID nineteen and coming out of isolation um, ahead of ahead of Wolves. Chaloba's had two training sessions, and yet these are people that he's having to rely upon, or he says he's having to rely upon to to make up the numbers and get to the requisite fourteen players. Um, in, in, in the squad. Um, now, look, the counter argument to all that is he clearly doesn't trust people like Salma Niguez to, to start a game and therefore he's having to start N'Golo Kante despite only having one training session behind him. And that isn't down to illness or injury. That's down to Sal's struggles in, in uh, adapting to English football since he came over in the summer. You might say the same for Malang Sarr. And Ross Bartley is fully fit, and you know we we've had our own assessment of of his performances in in the Chelsea first team, but he is a first team player available. You can also wonder why there weren't under twenty threes on the bench, and it's I think from the externally people will look at it and have and wonder quite how much sympathy Chelsea deserve it when they loan out so many very very good talented players to other clubs on season long loans, and then this situation comes and suddenly their squad is stretched, but. These are all things you cannot really predict. And the reality was that at at Wolverhampton Wanderers, Chelsea had four outfield players on the bench and three of those, you'd probably argue, aren't necessarily first-team regulars or first-team players that you'd want to pin your hopes on, let's say. And Matteo Kovacic was the fourth and he's not fit. So a very, very difficult situation and I can understand why he's frustrated it's a very peculiar situation, very peculiar to our particular times, but it does seem a bit inconsistent as to which games get called off and which games don't. The loan thing, they they couldn't realistically have said we're going to keep Conor Gallagher and Billy Gilmore in case there's a COVID outbreak, could they? No, but they but they, they brought in Sal Niguez on loan for the season and that allowed them to loan out Billy Gilmore. And Billy Gilmore is a player that has done it in the past for Chelsea, albeit in fleeting appearances. Sal Negrez hasn't really shown very... Weirdly, he was actually pretty decent in the second half at Molyneux, other than the one little incident with with Raul Jimenez. But, um, you know, you're just making these decisions, and that is a decision that I don't think that's really paid off for, for, for Chelsea, for Saul, and probably for Billy Gilmore as well so far. But, yeah, it's just a judgment call, and it, I think that one probably went the wrong way. Uh, just on Saul, by the way, I tweeted yesterday that he was coming on at half time. If you ever want to get some engagement, Dom, just just tweet something about Saul. Some of the replies, uh, that's enough for me. It's time to go. WTF. No, Matt, please don't say that. Optimism now gone. Uh, we definitely aren't serious. One mistake, but otherwise not bad from Saul. Time to take my antidepressant pills. Do oh, Tuchel want me dead or alive? What the F? When does it end? To do what? Scapegoat. Hard to stay glass half full when I see those 11 words on my timeline. Uh, but as you say, she thought we did all right. Um, Sam, to bring it back to, to the COVID thing, if you were a player in the Chelsea squad who tested negative, would you have felt okay about getting on the coach to Wolves and back with, with the rest of your teammates? No, I don't think so. I, I think when we're talking about the extent of the, the, um, the outbreak in the camp now, I think that would have made me feel a little bit uncomfortable, to be honest. I think when all the safety measures are in place, like they have been 
you know, for large portions of the pandemic. I think it would have, you know, probably thinking back to my playing days, been a bit of a distraction, to be honest, and, you know, to get out there. But I think the the speed that is moving at, at the moment, it's so unprecedented. It's changing every day. I think it would have been incredibly difficult for the decision makers at Chelsea to get the the three coaches organised to to have the the team meeting remotely to train differently just because this has all just happened so um, quickly over the last few days. So I, I do completely understand where Thomas Tuchel was coming from in, in um, you know, if you're looking at this game in isolation and looking at the last few days. Um, so yeah, I probably wouldn't have wanted to go ahead uh, to be quite frank, but um, I think it's different when you, when you're in the dressing room and you go out there for the game. And I think they gave a good account of themselves as they, as they did in terms of the attitude against Everton. The second half yesterday was nothing wrong with it and probably showed you, you know, just how good it is to have Kante back in the side. I think for Saul in that second half in particular, he makes such a difference. But yeah, I mean, for me right now, there shouldn't have been any football at the weekend, I don't think, in the Premier League. And and obviously it looks like we're going to see that in the week or two ahead. We had a question from another Sam who asked about something you touched on, Dom. Do you know if there's a reason the bench was so bare? Is it because the first team and the under-21s have separate bubbles? We've kind of seen a mix, haven't we, with Premier League teams as to whether they introduce some of their academy players. Is that because Chelsea are looking out for their health? Is that because the academy side don't have a game until 2022 now? Or is there something else at play, do you think? I suspect it's probably, again, down to the repercussions of COVID ravaging the, the the calendar and the schedule. I think I'm right in saying that the 23s, they do to place Manchester United towards the end of last week. Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. Same with the 18s that went as well. So they haven't, they haven't played, they haven't trained since Thursday. That was, that was what Chelsea were, were suggesting yesterday. The 23s hadn't played, hadn't trained since Thursday and therefore for some reason wouldn't be ready to, to feature for the first team but I think probably more of it's it's a logistical thing it's you know I mean it's 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 getting them I guess it's getting them tested at the same time and and then and then getting them onto the squad and it's also the probably too cool looking at it and thinking are we, are we doing this are we doing this for a, a logical reason do we if there is a risk if we are getting COVID cases on our coaches and around our dinner time do we and, and and realistically, these these kids, if they do come up, they're only really going to be bench fillers, as you say. They're just going to sit on the bench, and they're not necessarily going to contribute on the pitch. Then why expose them to the the time with the first team squad, where you know Omnicron might be might be going through that squad? I mean, it's I, I suspect it is just something as as basic as that, and and the fact that, I suspect that probably most of the Premier League ready players from the 23s are probably out on loan. Um, the, the other ones remaining may not be quite. I mean, we have seen people like Harvey Vale in, in first team squads, haven't we, over the course of the season? There have been a few that have made appearances on the bench. But an away trip in the Black Country where the, the teams travelled up, presumably on the Saturday, um, I just think logistically it was is awkward given that the, the games were cancelled. The twenty the United game, I think Southampton for the eighteens were, were cancelled very late on and getting that all arranged and, and sorted out for the sake of just having another few bodies on the bench probably wasn't worth it. 
Uh, right, before we move on from COVID, Dom, the Athletic reporting on Sunday night that the Premier League are going to have a meeting later today after we record uh, discussing the prospect of postponing the round of fixtures set between the 28th and 30th of December. This is always the round that leaves me scratching my head thinking, why are they playing on this particular day anyway? But uh, Jeff Bezos is going to have something to say about it by the looks of it. Yeah, Amazon won't be happy. I mean, Amazon was still advertising this round of fixtures on Sky um, in the advert breaks on Sunday. They This is sort of a key part of their strategy in terms of promoting Amazon Prime, um, tied in, no doubt, to festive shopping as well, I would have thought. Um, so it, it's while it is, I suppose, it's self-contained in that it's always one broadcaster that's doing this round of fixtures and therefore it could be deposited somewhere else in the calendar if they can find a slot... I imagine there will be a bit an element of resistance, um, and Amazon were told the Athletic last night that they, as far as they were concerned, that these fixtures are still progressing as as uh, and going ahead as planned. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be quite a fractious meeting. I think. I think. I think there will be. I think Chelsea's tensions with the Premier League over the whole cancellation request will will definitely be exposed yet again. Um, the implications of that will rumble on. <sighs> And they've got to try and come up with some kind of clear and obvious plan as to why a game, what what stipulate, what's the stipulation for a game to be postponed? How many cases does it take for a game to be postponed? That's not easy because it relies on trust when it comes to lateral flow tests and 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 trust in terms of you know players who are injured and you know some clubs will. I'm sure there are clubs out there that are thinking, well, that should be quite an advantage if, if we did have that round of games postponed because that would give us a chance to get some of these injured players back at some point in the latter stage of the season where we might be stronger to, to take on those fixtures. But it's a difficult one to do, but they need some kind of clarity because at the moment what really is, I think, undermining the integrity of the competition is that no one knows what it takes to get a game postponed and, and, and why some games are taking place and others aren't. Sam Amazon have got plenty of money. If they're football savvy, they probably realise that that round of fixtures usually features some of the worst quality games of the season. So you'd hope they could be talked into moving it. But if anything illustrates the fact that footballers play too much football, it's the fact that they can't find a space in the calendar to squeeze an extra round of games in. So it's not a surprise that this is going to be difficult because the season's so packed already. No, it was always found it difficult to physically, I think, to play on that day. I think as well, mentally, once you've trained on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, played on Boxing Day, that was a, a perfect opportunity, I always felt, to just switch off just for a few hours. And I, I tended to do so, but then you're back in training the following morning and then you're out there again on the 28th, which I did find incredible, really, because I think the human side of it as well, once you've you've looked after yourself and you've prepared for Boxing Day to give every supporter the opportunity to to have that tradition, it, it would have been nice in my um, point of view to, to be able to have a couple of days to rest post Boxing Day. So I've never really understood it from that point of view. Um, in terms of what's going on now, I don't know, is this potentially just in line with maybe what's going to happen in the country with the government? Are they going to 
um, make a decision a little bit further down the line. So that gives everyone the opportunity to go to the football on Boxing Day and then maybe we're going to see a change um, in, in, in the days following that. that. That's all I can think about because the sensible thing at the moment would be to postpone Boxing Day, wouldn't it? And give everyone a little bit more time to get ready for that round. Well, listen, there will come a day when we don't need to talk about the pandemic, but it won't be for a while yet. Uh, You'll be pleased to know we'll be discussing the much more palatable concept of a goalless draw in the West Midlands. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Wolves nil, Chelsea nil on Sunday then. One for the purist, if the purist in question thinks goals are impure. Uh, The draw coupled with Manchester City's win at Newcastle means Chelsea are now six points behind Guardiola's guys in the title race with Liverpool sandwiched between City and Chelsea. Uh, Dom, you and I were there. Some debate as to whether we were served roast beef or roast lamb, but no debate about the fact that it was a pretty tepid game of football. Yeah, and it was eminently predictable, um, not least by by Wolves having, as as uh, as Tim Spears told us last week, they have gone binary of late, and uh, they they don't. There's not an awful lot of entertainment in in their games, generally speaking. Um, I thought Chelsea were understandably, possibly given the make makeshift nature of their their team, rather flung together nature of the side, they were a bit off the pace first half. Didn't didn't look really with it, uh, and and Wolves were the more threatening team. But after the interval. I thought Chelsea responded well. They were far more aggressive. Thiago was imperious as ever. Um, and N'Golo Kante is, I know we say it so often, but he's a complete freak of nature. He, for, for him to perform like that and to have run for 90 minutes nonstop and played as a number 10, uh, who got back to fulfil duties of a number 6 at times, um, on a, after one training session following a knee injury uh, and a month out, was just phenomenal and uh, the bloke is incredible um but you know it's hardly a surprise that Chelsea didn't score a goal they haven't got a striker and, and Christian Pulisic's toils in that number nine role really summed up the lack of cutting edge the one opportunity that Chelsea did carve out um you know you're looking at a Liverpool or a Manchester City and they stick that away because they've got natural goal scorers up top and, and Christian Pulisic was was d- denied by the goalkeeper and and with that went went Chelsea's best opportunity and best chance of claiming the three points. Yeah, Sam Pulisic's an interesting one, isn't it? We, we talk a lot about players having to take their chances when they're given the opportunity. It's been a real stop-start season for him, but you kind of feel sorry for him because he wasn't playing in his natural position, but at the same time, he didn't exactly show that he should be uh, trusted going forward. No, I've, I've said a few times that I think Christian Pulisic's one of the players that struggles to find a role in this system. 
Uh, I'm not saying that Thomas Tuchel is going to do it, but if the problems continue to arise in terms of team selection, he may have to change the shape uh, at some point. And that may see Christian Pulisic, for one, prosper in a slightly different role. You know, off the left-hand side, I think that would be his best position. Um, looking at yesterday's game, I don't know what Dom thinks, but would Mason Mount be a better option down the middle to to play as a an out-and-out false nine so Christian Pulisic can still run beyond from a wider position, get the ball, get turned and, and run into space. I don't know if his natural game, I've always said it about him playing in the pocket as a number 10. He's probably the least natural at coming towards the ball and taking the ball in, in comparison to Havertz, uh, Ziyech, who we had yesterday, and, and obviously Mason Mount. So um, I'm not sure if this is the, the squad that he's got to select from moving forward, if we'll continue to see Pulisic in that role, or maybe he'll change it a la Guardiola with um, Phil Foden recently. I'm sure Mason Mount could do that. But yeah, it's I don't know. I think we're getting to that stage because the performances are in patches so limp that we may see him change the shape. I'm not saying that's going to be the answer moving forward, but if ever there was a time, it would probably be now. Uh, Trevor Chalobah in central midfield, I thought it was quite a nice blend with him and Kante first half, Don. But of course, this is the risk of bringing players back out of necessity. They they might not be able to um, complete a game and he went off at half time. We don't know yet how badly injured he was, but Chelsea don't need another midfielder out of action. No, it seemed to be the injury that he picked up in that collision with uh, Thiago Silva and Raul Jimenez. About 35 minutes in, his right knee, he was complaining of pain. On with, I, th- I think it, it, Tuchel implied that it was more of a knock than a twist post-match. So, fingers crossed, he's he's okay. Um, yeah, like he, he did okay. I think a lot of a lot of players, given that they were a lot of them were playing out slightly out of position, I thought a lot of them did okay. It's not an easy place to go, Molyneux, and it's it's they're a good team, Wolverhampton Wanderers. They've they've uh, you know they they got over that that little you know, nil one, I think it was three in a row right at the start of the season where they're actually creating a load of chances, but we're not putting them away. And they've, they've reverted a bit to type and they're, they're an awkward side to play against. And, you know, it's not really the type of team you want to be confronting when you're having to, to ask players to, to do things that they're not particularly familiar with. And that's what Chelsea had to do in the circumstances. And, I thought they did. I thought they all did okay. And Trevor did. Yeah, he did okay in midfield. In the first half, though, Chelsea actually had some nice little passing interchanges down the right flank, involving James and, and Mount and, and Chaloba and, and Kante when he went over to that side as well. In the second half, actually, a lot of their more enterprising play came down the left, and the chance that was created was actually a, a very, very nicely weighted ball from Marcus Alonso inside for him to collect on the on the run, but. You know, it's they are playing in patches. That's 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 the bottom line. And and while it is an admirable point, and in isolation you can't really complain about it. And indeed, Thomas Tuchel wasn't. He was saying that he was he was actually really pleased with the second half performance. The reality is, Manchester City are doing what Manchester City tend to do at this time of year, and they're they're steaming away with it they're on the quiet. Eight wins on the bounce, I think it is now. Um, they're they're playing really poorly and hammering teams four nil. I mean, it's got to the stage now where the gap is six points and it feels as if Chelsea are clinging on to the title race. And yeah, you can argue that that's not necessarily all down to them and they've been unfortunate with injuries and certainly with with COVID, but the title pursuit is starting to feel a bit forlorn now. 
Uh, Dom's just given us a nice preview of his post-match piece for The Athletic after the Wolves game at athletic.com slash ChelseaPod, the place to go to read it in full. Uh, Sam, Chelsea not able to recall the players who are flourishing in the Premier League, not able to buy back as yet Tino Livramento or, or Mark Gurhey. It's easy to say it with hindsight, Dom touched upon it earlier, but do you think if, if they had their time again, they maybe wouldn't have been so willing to, to send these players out on loan or permanently? Yeah, quite possibly. Um, I don't think there was probably too many question marks about Conor Gallagher, given you know what he's done on his previous loan spells. Maybe Brozier's one that's taken people by surprise. I always felt that he, he missed quite a few opportunities. But, I mean, that's looking a little bit foolish now because he's not getting loads of opportunities at Southampton, but he's been very clinical. Um, I was at the game, saw Dom there, uh, Crystal Palace, so Hampton last week, he was excellent in terms of the goal he got, a lot of unselfish work. And Gallagher, despite not being his best night with the football around the opposition's goal, the amount of work he does without it. I know he made a goal for himself against Everton where he nicked it and, and scored late on. It's not by fluke that he's nicking all these balls in the final third. He almost comes on the blind side of players and toes it to a teammate. He's got an incredible knack of um, of nicking the ball and, and getting attack started, transitions in dangerous um, spots on the pitch. So, cool, Chelsea could do with him right now. They're, uh, unbelievably so, because he's, he's really excelling in all parts of his game. So, um, yeah, I think I said it, I think, on last week's pod, you know, if he's back next season, you know, relevant of what players they've got in that position or maybe if they bring one more in, he has to be in that squad on merit, really, um, for, for what he's done in this short spell at Palace. Quite pronounced, Dom, I think, if you look at the respective outputs this season of Conor Gallagher and Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I wonder if it might be Ruben's place in the squad that he takes next season. I don't, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure that, they're certainly not playing the same roles now, although Ruben's not doing anything at the moment. <laughs> um, I mean, Ruben's been almost a sitting number six, of late, and and it, and it, it will be. It's intriguing to, to to wonder where Gallagher fits into a Tuchel team. That this was when Simon was was working on his pieces on on Gallagher last week. It was, I mean, he was asking where Gallagher is playing in the Palace team, and he's in a four three three. He just fits that that right sided midfielder in, in in the midfield three, and that that because he can provide all his dynamism and energy there. And but Chelsea don't play that. So he, is he going to be a ten in this Chelsea system or? Is this is will his return his return alone isn't going to spark Tuchel to to change how the, the team's set up because the team is set up at the moment for Thiago Silva and Jorginho to feature and, and to protect them really. Um, so I mean it's intriguing to see where where he goes because I don't think he is a ten. I think if he starts if he starts almost too far up the pitch and a bit like that a bit like the Lampard situation when when he was asked to play further up he didn't didn't necessarily always work because he likes to time those runs and that that is something that that, that Tuka will ponder I mean, he has been he has been brilliant this season um Gallagher but he's been brilliant because he's been perfect for what Palace want him to do he he is the dynamism for that midfield he he, he just fits their system he's ideal for that I mean it's it's almost if Palace tried to get him a year earlier um under Roy Hodgson and I don't think he would have had the same kind of impact in a four four two with Roy Hodgson, I just, I think we would have, we wouldn't have been saying, you know, giving the same superlatives to, to Gallagher's performances. 
Um, but he, he'll go back to Chelsea a much better player for the experience of... I mean, that's that's the quandary, that, that going back to the original issue about whether they, people should be loaned out. They will inherit a much better player in the summer after a, on the back of a season of being integral at, at Crystal Palace. Um, and he'll that will benefit Chelsea in the long run. Um, same with Broha. He was brilliant. I mean, completely brilliant. He surprised me how good he was and how quick he was, actually. I didn't think he had that pace to him. Um, lovely finish for his goal as well. I mean, it's that's that's what these clubs are having to sort of weigh up. Do they do they accept that this isn't going to be... They're not going to have any use of this player for a season. Um, you know, the recalls will get met because these guys have got the quality to play for, the, for these mid-table teams. Or do they... Do they hang them in reserve and almost not stunt their growth, but certainly delay it in terms of ex- gathering of experience because they won't be getting the same number of opportunities at Chelsea, even with the, the schedule that Chelsea enjoys. So it's a it's a real dilemma. But come the summer, they'll have two very very good players on their books again. It's always fascinating, isn't it, to see how loans work out? You think if if Conor Gallagher had gone to Leeds, which was apparently um, very close to being done, he, he wouldn't have been having the same season. He'd have been totally programmed into a Bielsa footballer, and who knows what would have happened to. Him. Uh, before we move on to Brentford, Sam, here's something that's just occurred to me: Chelsea looking for somebody to put the ball in the net. Need to be a kind of experienced international, but maybe all right sitting on the bench for a lot of the time. Ben Brereton Diaz, cheeky twenty-five million pound bid in January. Get him in. Oh, um, it's not a bad shout, Matt. I think he's going to go to a top division in in Europe when the um, when the asking price gets met or or, or whatever. Yeah, I mean he, he's on the radar of absolutely everyone. I would say in Europe because of his his um, performances with Chile, and I think he's nineteen goals now for the season. He's just a you know a player completely at the top of his game, playing with ridiculous confidence because of the the stature that he's grown to because of his international recognition. So absolutely. You know, if you think back to that period when they were talking about Peter Crouch coming in, wasn't he? At the, uh, the tail end of his mm, career. Yeah. Ashley Barnes. I could go on. Um, yeah, I think he's got room to grow. You know, Matt, having seen him at, at Forest where I think there was a, so loads of potential, but obviously just not that goal scoring capability. Couldn't put it all together, you know. I think spent a lot of time playing in wide positions as well and 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 probably doing too much hard work for the team. And now that he's focused on running towards the goal, as simple as that sounds, you can see the um the, the, the benefits. Um so yeah, great athlete, in, incredible goal scoring form. Wouldn't be the worst shout ever. Yeah, imagine having him and then letting him go for less than seven million pounds. Anyway, as we record, Chelsea set to play their League Cup quarter-final this week. We'll take a quick look at that after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Brentford versus Chelsea in the Carabao Cup quarterfinal scheduled to take place on Wednesday the 22nd of December. Brentford reported 13 positive COVID cases last week, meaning their game with Southampton was postponed. Oh, Dom, this has got to be postponed as well, hasn't it? I mean, everybody loves the Carabao Cup. Phil Foden so much he named his dog after the product in question. But if there's one thing that can be made way in the footballing schedule, it's got to be the second most important domestic cup composition. <laughs> yes, I, I completely agree with everything you've said, including the Phil Foden bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it'd be very surprising if this game went ahead. Likewise, the Aston Villa game on Boxing Day, given Villa have had their own outbreak as well. But what is remarkable is, as of yesterday, admittedly they were, everything is day-to-day at the moment, and, Chelsea had started Sunday morning trying to get the Wolves game postponed. But they didn't know. They don't know whether Wednesday's game is happening or not. And yet players are due in back at Cobham today to start preparations for it. And they don't know whether this match is even going to happen. And it just... Everything about the preparations for Wolves was about chaos. That was the theme of the piece I wrote, really. Chaos. No one knows what's going on. No one knows... A, whether games are going to be played, B, whether anyone's going to test positive. or I mean, just, just the shambles of, of everything at the moment. And it's it's not just football, it's it's society. We, none of us know what's going to happen from day to day at the moment. But it has infected, for probably an inappropriate use of a word, but it has infected football as well. And this uncertainty is ludicrous. It's 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 blatantly obvious that that game isn't going to take place. It shouldn't take place because Brentford haven't been able to fulfil their fixture at the weekend. So why isn't it off already? Sam, do you think that there would be a case for Chelsea just saying we're not going to play this game? You know, you get such a pittance in terms of money for winning the Carabao Cup. Never mind winning the the quarterfinals. It's not like they need the gate receipts from a couple of thousand away supporters. If Chelsea came out today on Monday and said we cannot play this game, we won't play it, would that be the worst thing in the world? At least then supporters would know where they stand and and they could start planning for either Boxing Day or, or whenever their next match is going to be. Um, I can't imagine they'll do that unless the the situation gets too too difficult. 
over the next couple of days. If you know if they're completely stretched and there's not a decision made, then then maybe they'd have to go to those levels. I think it's difficult for incredibly difficult for the players to focus. I think this morning if they're going in there and you know the coaches are trying to act professional, go through the shape, you know, put them in the eleven. Maybe you know just probably won't happen today because of the. Um, because the game yesterday, but tomorrow that would certainly be the case. Incredibly difficult to focus if in the back of your mind you think this game's not going to go ahead anyway. And I think it's difficult for the difficult for the staff to to put on serious sessions, to plan as if they're going to be out there on, on Wednesday. So, yeah, I mean, you, you want to know as a player, that uncertainty just makes the, uh, the professionalism slip, in, in my experience, in dressing rooms. If there's ever a doubt over a game, you know, it's hard for the, the the players to focus. So you need the decision made quickly. And yeah, it is the, the least important, of course, of the competitions. Um, I think there's, of course, bigger fish for Chelsea to fry. Even now, yeah, they've tailed off a little bit in the league, but the FA Cup to come, the Champions League, uh, good draw in that and, and still aspirations, of course, to, to go close in the title race. So it wouldn't be the worst thing if they didn't go all the way in this competition. But for now, decision just needs to be made. Chelsea got beef with the Premier League at the moment, Dom. Obviously, this comes under the the EFL's umbrella. Will they be in in discussion with them? Or do you think there might even be some talks with Brentford about, hey, let's approach this together. And if we both go to the EFL and say we are both unable to fulfil this fixture, that might carry a bit more credence than it looking like sort of one club's trying to get out of it. Yeah, that's a good good point. But you'd imagine that Brentford... The issues are more pressing with Brentford, and they've had thirteen players out. And I don't know what stage of their ten-day isolations these are. It, it, this may be this, this may be a moot point. That, that's that's why I'm querying why this game hasn't already been called off. I mean, it's if 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 they're in if they're having to isolate for ten days, having tested positive, then you know, there's got to be a good chance that they can't fulfil this game as it is, as it stands. Um, but yeah, you'd imagine that they, there will be. Given the way that Thomas Frank has been speaking about COVID and and the, his desire to have a, almost a circuit breaker uh, in 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 the season, that yes, I imagine that if if Chelsea are looking for allies, and they'll probably find one with their with their West London rivals. Well, if the game does go ahead, uh, we will react to it in our Thursday show. If not, we'll probably just have another long chat about COVID uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news. Uh, Yeah, not much happened. The women's team's game against West Ham, plus the under-23s date with Man United and the under-18s match against Brighton were all called off, meaning none of those sides will play again uh, this year. Right, before we go, Dom, we mentioned your post-Wolves piece. Have you got anything else in the pipeline for Athletic subscribers this week? I think uh, the quiz that Simon and I um, have compiled is going live at some point this week. Um, Looking back on 2021... Uh, I've got a couple of other pieces I'm working on, um, one of which relating to the opening of the transfer window. God, do you remember when we could just talk about things like football <laughs> transfers? Hashtag um, any Kunde update. be lovely to get back to that, <laughs> wouldn't it? Oh, only a matter of days now. Um, no, I, I'm, I, typically because I'm old, I've been given the retrospective piece. So um, why, why, why Chelsea sold the likes of De Bruyne, Salah and Declan Rice is apparently being flung my way. So that's going to occupy most of the Christmas week. Looking forward to that. Uh, I just saw producer Lucy frantically scribbling down there. I'm guessing that she wrote, do athletic quiz, because <laughs> in Thursday's pod, Lucy and I are going to be the participants in our weekly quiz. 
And so she's thinking that she can maybe get a head start there, and I've just absolutely kiboshed that. I've no, in retrospect, was not. Isn't good. it going to be brilliant though when when all the listeners finally realise that Lucy's actually from Liverpool and speaks with a broad <laughs> Scouse accent? <laughs> Uh, it's going to be fun, listener. Thursday show will be our final one of the year, so we'll be doing all sorts of lookbacks and yeah, embarrassing me and Lucy with our with our lack of knowledge. Uh, Sam, you're heading off on your on your festive break now, right? So what? No more live football for you this year, probably. Probably not for any of us, to be fair. Oh no, I think I think I'm penciled in for a couple of games um, in between Christmas and New Year that are going to be called off. So uh, <laughs> lovely. I'm in the same boat as everyone else. <laughs> All right, athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up if you're not currently a subscriber. As I say, Thursday, our final show of the year. So do join us for that if you can. Until then, from Sam, Dom, Lucy and me, thanks for your company today. We'll speak on Thursday. The Athletic.